everybody, what is happening? I would love to welcome you back to the Marley Williams podcast, where today I am going to be interviewing the incredible, the amazing, the talented Kathy Armias. Kathy is a marketing strategist, international speaker, presentation coach, creator of the How to Rock a TED Talk program, and the author of The Unbreakable Rules of Marketing. She's the TEDx speaker coach, and most importantly, she's a pickleballer just like me. And today we are going to dive deep into how to powerfully present your ideas and how to leave your audience moved and inspired to take action and service that idea and to share with confidence. We talk about how to prepare as a speaker and how to overcome fears, how to overcome doubts and really hone in on what your idea worth spreading is. Welcome to the show. Can't wait to dive in. Hey everyone, what's happening? I am super stoked to welcome you to the Marley Williams podcast, where we will explore authentic leadership, transformational facilitation, and how to create epic experiences for your audiences every single time. I am your host, Marley Williams, bringing you thought-provoking insights, expert interviews, and actionable strategies to unlock your potential as a leader, facilitator, and speaker. Thank you for joining me on this journey of growth, transformation, and impact. Let's lead together. The Marley Williams podcast begins now. Let's dive in. All right, everybody, I'd love to welcome you back to the Marley Williams podcast. And I am super stoked because I get to interview and hang out with my good friend, Kathy Armias. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm super stoked to have Kathy on here today. The first time we met in real life, we kicked it off. We had a blast and we talked about amazing things related to leadership and speaking and coaching and This podcast is really about helping people be better leaders. And bringing Kathy onto the show today, I'd love for you to just kick us off with your story. What brings you to the work that you do today? Yes, but first I really want to say, Marley, thank you for having me on. As your first guest, I feel so honored. From the moment I met you, I was like, this chick is a leader. Like, really, I saw that because you put yourself out there. So I just want to say that to everybody that's listening to you because you have a great following. You are such a great, authentic leader. You you put yourself out there. You're very vulnerable. You're very willing to share um, exactly how you're feeling. And you're so willing to help people. So I love that. So thank you. Really from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me as your first guest. Yeah, yeah. I'm super stoked to have you on. And I just, I love the work that you do in the world. I love what you stand for. And I also love that you play pickleball. I I love that too. (laughs) We got pickleballers in the house. So good. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me here. So my story, I I was a director of marketing at an industrial shredder manufacturer. And if you think what I thought, I thought big paper shredder. Nope. Shredders that shred cars, torpedoes, computers, big tires. And I'm talking big tires, like a 13 foot in diameter tire, like big tractor tires, like all, all kinds of really big stuff. And we made it really, really small and it was for the recycling industry. And so our clients were buying these shredders and I had this crazy idea, like, why don't we put it on the internet? And the CEO was like, ah, 
I mean, how many people can buy a half a million dollar shredder? And I'm like, that's not exactly how the internet works. So let's put it out there. And it went very viral, Marley. It was, it was insane. I mean, when I get a call from the David Letterman show, which is not around anymore, but you know, guy calls me, he says, hi, it's Mike from the David Letterman show. And I hang up on him. Cause I think it's my sister trying to punk me. And then he emails me and I'm like, oh, Oh, he really is Mike from the David Letterman show. It was just a wild ride. But where it ultimately got me was I left and I started my own business. And I thought, I thought, don't ever think you're going to do something because life will throw a weird curveball. I thought I was going to do marketing. I wrote a marketing book. It won awards. I was speaking on marketing. And one of my clients got asked to give a TED Talk. Boom, my whole world changed. (laughs) I was like, all right, yeah, I guess I can coach you. And I coached him through this talk. And um, the executive producer at TEDx Portland said, hey, we don't really have any speaker coaches. You want a speaker coach? Yes, I like this. And this became my business. And so now what used to be my marketing kind of blended in this weird space of, I always say, all a TED talk is, is a mini marketing campaign for an idea. That's kind of the short version of how I ended up here. Did I ever know, Marley, like if you asked me long time ago, like, would you speaker coach? What do you think? I'm like, what? What is that? That's a thing? People coach people to speak? Don't people know how to speak already? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I love that Steve Jobs quote that says, we can't connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect the dots looking backwards. So somehow we have to trust that the dots will connect and that all of your experience from marketing and how that's informed you as a storyteller and as a speaker coach. And I love this idea of of what a TED Talk is. It's a mini marketing campaign for your idea. It's like, how do I clearly convey this idea to the world so that people understand it, they get it, people resonate with it? And, you know, I think a lot of the people in my audience and a lot of people listening to this podcast, maybe they they do have an idea that they, they want to share. And what have you seen in the speakers that you've coached? And I know you've worked with high-level CEOs. You work with, you know, people at the top of the top. What would you say is some of people's biggest fears when it comes to getting on stage and sharing their idea? That's such a great question. You know, I think everybody, especially when it comes to speaking, has a really weird little voice inside them that says, you can't do this. I, I swear, no matter at what level, I, I I can tell you that people have this weird voice that says, people won't listen to you. This won't resonate. You're not going to sway anybody. You're not going to motivate or inspire anybody. And it's just not true. But like anything, it's something that you have to learn how to do well. And if you hear somebody speaking and you're like, oh, they're a great speaker, you should know that they've put a lot of work into that. Yeah. I just want to emphasize, like for any of you out there who have a message, you have an idea that like the fears and the doubts are across the board. Like we all have it. So even the people that you see giving like their best TED talk or getting on stage and sharing their message, knowing they've had to move through the fear and the doubt and also Oftentimes they have coaching, mentorship, support, practice, and they've put in the time to hone their craft. And I really see speaking as a skill set that people can learn, not something that you're either good at or you're not good at. Yes. So glad you said that. Yes. Look at comedians. 
comedians start off and they have they have like a really long journey even if people say oh you're a funny person that does not translate to great comedian right it's such an art you know it's an art it's a science it's a skill set it's something that people have to learn and i'd be curious yeah when you think about working with the speakers that you work with what are the skills of speaking what are the skills that you feel like people have to cultivate in themselves in order to convey their message with with clarity with confidence you see uh, maybe a speaker going from like they've never given a talk before they've never been on stage before i know that you work with them and their messaging but yeah what do you think are some of the the essential skills of being an exceptional speaker not just like an okay one but like someone who gets on stage and blows people away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that you're making sure you're qualifying. Kathy, I'm I don't I'm not looking for an okay. I'm looking for great. Yes. I'm here for great. My opinion, the way that I work, I believe that, and I always say this, this is one of kind of the lessons I teach when I teach storytelling, is like stories are from you, but they're for them. Um, we can also translate that to ideas are from you, but they're for them. Some people will get in this weird space where they're like, oh, I'm really good at entertaining. But it's the people that take it even further and go, okay, I might be really good at delivering, but when I can really get into somebody's head, think of a good movie. Think of an okay movie. Go on the plot. It was okay. I kind of knew where it was going. But then think of a movie where you're like, wow, I did not know that was coming. I didn't expect it. That was phenomenal. All the pieces came together. To me, that's an exceptional speaker. And it really starts with having a good idea. And I always kind of say, especially in TED Talks, if you think about it, because it's usually one honed idea. Well, there is, there's a topic, then there's usually kind of an idea that's generally accepted. Like, let's take bullying, because I coached somebody one time on workplace bullying. There's the topic of workplace bullying or adult bullying or, you know, and then the general idea is bullying is bad. And then there was her specific idea. And so in order to get to be an exceptional speaker, you have to have that idea, but it has to kind of be for the audience, for the people. What can they do with it? What will actually challenge their thinking? What will make them think, act, feel differently? That's when you're an exceptional speaker. You can do that. When it becomes more about them than you. Yeah, I love that. And to me, that's the difference between what I think about of being a, giving a transactional presentation and creating a transformational experience, which is something that I talk a lot about of how do you challenge someone's thinking with an idea? And to me, you know, I love TED Talks and I watch them all the time and their tagline is ideas worth spreading. And my big thing is like action worth taking. What action do you want them to do as a result of this? Because we can hear an idea. We can have an idea. But what will people do differently as a result of hearing it? What will shift? How will their behavior, you know, again, what do you want them to feel, think, or do differently when they walk away? And to me, that is like, ooh, that's the sweet spot. 
Oh, I'm dying right now, Marley. Actions worth taking? Wow. That was like a boom, mic drop. You leveled up. I love that. And so imagine if you're a speaker, you are a speaker, you're a phenomenal speaker, but imagine if somebody in your audience, you're like, oh, I'm a speaker or I want to be a speaker. Or, I want to talk about something. What if in the back of my brain, I'm like, what my job is here is to get on a stage, whatever my stage is, and have people take an action actions worth spreading. I'm going to put it together in a totally different way than me just going, oh, I just want to go out there and sound great. (laughs) It's a totally different mindset. Yeah. And that idea, and I think a lot of that, that fear and that insecurity and that self-doubt comes from the ego of like, I want to look good and get it right. And it's very much like self-focused versus service-focused right? Like I'm here to serve. And I love that idea of like ideas are from you, but they're for them of like, what is in it for them? And when we shift that focus, it actually, for for me as a speaker, it changes my fear. And one of my mantras is like, my desire to be of service is greater than my fear. And am I willing to be bold enough, brave enough to share an idea that actually inspires someone to do something different in their life, which means like sometimes we have to like rattle the cage, challenge our status quo, challenge the way that people see the world and give them kind of like a new reality, a new way of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective. Yeah. And I think that I love that because, you know, if somebody's taken the time and they've prepared something, anytime you hear somebody and you know that they put a lot of thought into it, but they have a different perspective than you, it's really easy to listen to, right? It's very easy to go, oh, I want to hear, yeah, Marley, you're right. I never, I haven't put that much thought on your perspective and I'm really enjoying hearing it. That's why when somebody takes the time to prepare it well, and they really think about, because for me, there's like the idea, but the thing that you will see a lot in TED Talks, especially great ones, is that there will be a lot of supporting evidence for that idea. There won't just be like, hey, there's this awesome idea and it's awesome because Kathy or Mia said it was awesome or whoever's speaking. It's more like, no, here's this idea. I'm going to show you social proof. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you the psychology behind it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to support it with a lot of things so that I can give you a, maybe a different perspective, something you've never heard before. Mm. That's a good point. And I, I think that that's probably one of my big opportunities for growth, if I could put that out there, is like, I have a lot of ideas, like the power of connecting with people, right? Or building community, like that that could be an idea, but it's like, well, why does it matter? And people, in order for your idea to land for them, they need different elements. They need the story element or the the statistics or the data or the research or all of these things. So you're kind of like meeting different people in the audience and helping them like come along the journey with you. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I always like to say this. I say your, your idea is great if it can go both wide and deep. By wide, it's like how many people can I get behind this idea. If your idea is super narrow, then it's only meant for a small segment of people. So you got to go wide and then you got to go deep. So yeah, on the surface, you could say bullying is bad. Awesome. That's level one. What's level two look like? What's level three look like? What does level four look like? And some of them might be different elements, like you said, 
One might be a story element. One might be a shocking, you know, statistic that some interesting information. One might be a, you know, an anecdote or, you know, one might be social proof in some way. So there's all these layers and you have to, you can't be very shallow in your idea. You can't say, Hey, great idea. Because sometimes people come to me and say, and this happens a lot, of course, being a TED coach, somebody will reach out to me and say, oh, my friend should give a TED talk. Or people have been telling me I should give a TED talk. And I go, okay, what's your idea? And then I hear it and I go, what else? Okay. Like, awesome. Sounds good. Tell me more. I want to hear more. Like I, and I'm always searching for that, you know, supporting evidence. I'm going, okay, on the surface, it sounds good. Bullying is bad. Great. How would you back that up? So it is really, really important. Yeah. And what makes your idea unique? I feel like, right? Like, so bullying is bad, but you said that that's like level one and everyone could be, probably get behind that. Like, I agree that bullying's bad too, but like, what's your unique take on it? That's exactly that thing that I have to move people through. There's like topic, the kind of ex- generally accepted idea or the world's idea. And then there's like your unique special spin that only you can talk about. So I have three questions if I can tell you them. I love it. So if somebody's out there and they're thinking, people told me that I should give a TED Talk, try to answer these questions. If you can, you're on the right road. Okay, the first question is, why is this idea extraordinary? And you have to ask, why is this idea extraordinary? What have you made? If it's an ordinary idea, how has it become extraordinary? The second question, why are you the best person to talk about this idea? And boom, a lot of people stop right there. Tell me that piece of it. Tell me why you're qualified to talk about this and how have you positioned it. And then the third one, most important, this is how we started your show off today with, how will this idea change the lives of other people? And if you cannot answer that, you're like, oh, I just have an idea. That's a level one idea then. Then it's a level one idea. It's like, okay, bullying is bad. Awesome. Why should you talk about it? And how will it change the lives of other people? That will not change anybody's life by saying bullying is bad. That won't do anything. That is not an action worth taking. Right. Just so we can have an example, what was the like extraordinary, unique idea that she landed on? Yeah. So this is really cool. And this is where concepts come into play. And I teach this a lot, like you teach a concept. So we were having a conversation and I said, so what do you do in your work? Because she's running this DEI company. In this company, they're dealing a lot with workplace bullying. And, And she goes, many times it doesn't look like childhood bullying where somebody's like, I'm going to beat you up and take your lunch money or whatever. It looks more like exclusion. And sometimes people don't know that they're doing it. And so she said that it was the bullying loop. And until you knew you were on it, you couldn't fix it. So that was kind of one of the key concepts that we talked about because she teaches this in her company. She said, hey, and then she named certain things and, and talked about how they just keep going in a circle. It looks like this. It looks like this. It looks like this. And it goes in a circle and it goes in a circle. And until you re- you realize you're on a loop, you will not be able to get off of that loop or change it. And so that was her specific idea from the work that she had done. I mean, she had a lot of social proof and evidence based on this. And she talked to some very specific stories. Can you even think about that? You're like, if I was doing something and I didn't recognize it, I'm going to stay on this loop until I get off of it. Right. And it's not always a framework or a formula, but it's a way in which people can see an idea in a new way. Like, oh, I thought that bullying was like, from me to this one person, or it was something outside of me. And it's like, oh, it's a new way of looking at something that we've all heard about. Right. In her model, you can participate in it, whether you were doing it or not. Right. Were you a bystander? Did you see it happen and you didn't do anything about it? 
right? Like all these different roles that people play and they're like, oh, okay. I see that even though I wasn't the bullier, I also didn't like stand up for the person either, you know, or speak up. And so these three questions are freaking gold people, right? So yeah, it's one thing to have an idea. What makes this idea extraordinary? What makes it unique? What makes it different? Why am I the person to talk about it? What's my, maybe my skill set, my background, my experience, whether education or practical. And then the third piece is how will this change the lives of the people in the audience? If they got this thing, what would be different for them in their life? Right? Like if everyone got this like bullying idea, then people would have better work experiences, there'd be better engagement, there'd be more employee retention, all of the things. Right. And and sometimes it's a tiny thing, right? I coach a psychologist from San Francisco that gave a TED talk and she ended up in her career. It's, it was really interesting. When she first started her career, she shared an office with a pastor and he specialized in teenage boys that were um, sex offenders. And she was like, oh God, it was the last thing I ever wanted to do, but I was just starting. And so I took some of his overflow that ended up being her career. And she learned a lot about it along the way that the boys did not want to be doing this. And many times, you know, like this is not what they wanted to be doing. And so she kind of was able to get to the heart of why some of this was happening. And one of the big problems that she realized is that we put so much pressure on boys to be men. And then she turned it into a book after she gave the talk, but let boys be kids first was her idea. And it was her specific idea from her specific work. You know, she had so many great stories and the idea was simple to the boys in your life support them as a child. If they want to do something, don't start putting weird norms on them. Oh, you want to do dance class like your sister? No, that's, you should go play football. No, don't do that. Don't tell them that they shouldn't cry. Cause they're, you know, these are easy examples. She had some really cool examples, but it's an easy thing that you, once you've heard that idea and you've heard her perspective and you've heard her talk about it, you're never going to forget it. And then the line is good. Let boys be kids first. Right. What's the, I call it like, what's the enduring understanding? Yeah. Like the thing, if you don't get anything else, what's the thing that you actually want people to get, to walk away with, to remember what makes it sticky? And I just got back from leading the retreat called the Retreat Retreat to help retreat leaders plan and design and lead their own retreats. One of the big things was less is more. And I think a lot of people try to jam so much content or like lots of ideas versus having like one clear, compelling message and idea that's then reinforced or backed up. But it's like, that would be another question to ask. Like, what's the thing that you want them to get when they walk away that when someone says, how was that talk? Or what did you learn? that they actually are able to answer that question versus like, I don't know, it was cool. <laughs> and I, right. And I, and I think you can find that in question number three, because you're not going to change somebody's life if it's not specific, if it's not pointed, if it's not clear, if it's not. So I think you will find that. That's why if you can, when I talk to people, if they can answer all three questions and, they, and it sounds very compelling to me, I'm like, okay, you're on the right track. Yeah. One of the experiential learning models, the simplest one is kind of what, so what, now what? right? What's the idea? Why does it matter? And now what are people going to do about it? Right? 
And I think that that's really, really powerful. And again, when people look at really amazing speakers, it looks so effortless. It looks like they have not a care in the world. Like they're just up there winging it. The name of this podcast is Let's Lead Together. And one thing that I know to be true is anyone that you see on a stage has not gotten there alone, right? And this idea of like leadership and this like fierce, almost like independence or like, I don't need anyone. Or if I can't do it alone, then maybe I'm just not cut out for it. And for you, again, working with these really high level speakers and CEOs, people that are giving TEDx talks and things like that, I think it's just giving people permission like to have the support that you need in order to be exceptional at your craft. Yeah, you know, you brought up pickleball, so I'm going to come back with it, okay? Come back to the pickleball. Well, first of all, silly name, right? So they're like, ah, it can't be a real sport, can't can't be real serious. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why it's taken off in its United States fastest growing sport right now is because it's super accessible, right? Anybody can get on the court within, you know, one hour. You can be pretty decent. But one of the things that you and I both know about pickleball is when you start to get up to that advanced level, when you start heading towards a higher 4.0 level, you have to be really good. You have to be strategic. You have to work on it. And you don't do that by playing the game. You only do it when you're practicing. That's the only time in a practice session I can work with my coach. He's going to hit a hundred drives at me in, you know, 20 minutes. How many will I get in a game? Maybe five. And I'm not trying at that moment. I'm not being strategic. I'm not thinking about how I'm going to return it. It's the same for any kind of leadership. It's the same for any kind of speaking. You know, you have to have the coaches. Tell me one really successful Olympic level athlete or professional athlete that doesn't have a coach. Tell me that. Right. Exactly. And they they don't just have one coach. They have like five to 10 coaches, right? I have a friend that, that coaches in the NBA and he's a performance coach. That's just one of the many coaches that NBA players have, you know? So I think you're on the right track. I think leaders, not only do they have coaches or they don't do it alone, but I think they really crave that. And I think that would be a difference. I think the most humble people that come to me and go, Hey, I run a multi-million, sometimes multi-billion dollar company, or I'm, you know, I'm part of this, you know, huge company. I do very well in my space. I'm getting ready to speak. I'm lying to you if I'm going to tell you that I just know how to do this. And it, you know, this is my job. This is what I do. I work with people. Of course they should come to somebody that's an expert. Of course they shouldn't just rely on their own charisma. I think you're on the right track and really good leaders know that. Yeah. And I love that you said that really good leaders know where they're exceptional at. And there's ways to use those skills and use the natural charisma. And really good leaders know when to ask for help, get support, get mentoring, get coaching. And yeah, I think like one of the questions is like, do I want to be like an okay speaker? Do I want to just get by? Or do I want to be exceptional? And you know, when you review, when you look at the TED Talks that you like, or look at the speakers that you think are phenomenal, like, I really ask people, what do you love about that? You know, I'll give a talk and people be like, I want to be able to do what you do. You're so confident. And it doesn't seem like you're nervous. I think there's this illusion that if you're like confident on a stage, it doesn't mean that you weren't scared, that you don't have doubt, that you don't have fear, that you, you like not a care in the world. And 
I'm nervous every single time. And part of it is like, how do we funnel and harness that? It's because it's just energy and we can use it and we can use it as fuel because one of my things is I'm nervous because I care. Because if I wasn't nervous, I'd be like, oh, no big deal. But it's like, I care about making a difference. So like it's activating. So for people, you know, I think that this is such a great question. How how do you help support people in the buildup to something like a big TEDx talk or they're about to get on stage? And what, what advice do you give speakers around navigating the nervousness or the doubt or the fear of public speaking? Because it is people's number one biggest fear is public speaking. And even the people that are scared, they're like, I still want to do it. So how do we help those people understand that it's normal? And what are what coaching and support and advice would you give to people out there? Well, first of all, I don't have a one size fits all because here's why. Even though a lot of people are nervous, some people are really competitive, for instance, and they're like, oh, I'm just like that nervous energy. I You already talked about it. You already brought that up, which is like some people are like, I'm nervous, but I'm going to go. I'm just, I'm going to go. That becomes my challenge. And so some people, depends who it is. I'm, I'm going to tell you a quick story about somebody that I just coached for TEDx Portland during this year. He's the executive director for A Thousand Friends of Oregon, Sam Diaz, and he was giving a talk on land use. I mean, he he's a leader in this space, so he's going all over Oregon as a leader and having conversations about how, you know, Oregon puts its land to, to good use. And there's a lot of really hard conversations because some people don't agree on what we should do with some of the land. And then most of the people probably don't even care about land use until it affects them, right? So it's kind of this weird thing he knew, and he was pretty nervous when I first talked to him. Very nervous because it was like, I think more of his nerves came from like, I don't know how to put this together. So in a TED talk that people will care about, well, we found a way. And by the time, you know, we had gotten to this space where it's like, share why you love and got into land use. Um, And then he shared this beautiful lesson from his mom that was like, was a great opener. And then, you know, he kind of wrapped the opening up with this line that really connected the audience, which was everybody has a place that they call home and everybody's home is, is important to them. And so he had this way that he was connecting with the audience. By the time he got on the stage, he was still a little nervous. Like he still had like the butterflies and stuff, but he didn't feel as nervous because he felt really confident in what he was going to say to the audience. He had practiced it. He had prepared it. He knew it was a really good idea and it was a really good message. And that kind of helped get the nerves away. So sometimes when people tell you interesting things like, oh, you know, go listen to your favorite song. Yeah. I think you have to first know where your own personal nerves are coming from. Is it nerves because you don't feel confident in the idea? Well, then no amount of listening to pump up music is going to fix that. Do you feel super confident in your material? But it's just that little like, oh, there's 3000 people out there. My stomach is a knot kind of thing. And so depending on where the nervousness is coming from, when it is coming from the nerve of lots of people, I always want people to have a good 30 seconds. I want them to feel so good about those 30 seconds because what happens in those 30 seconds will dictate the rest of their talk. Mm, Like the first 30 seconds, just to nail it. To nail it. So I want them, like I'll work on those first 30 seconds over and over and over and over. So no matter how nervous they are backstage, once they get those 30 seconds out, they're like, whoo, 
Because once you get going, as you know, as a speaker, performer, you know, trainer, once you get going, it's almost like a rut in the road. And you just hope that you're on the right side of the rut in that road, not the wrong side. And so the first 30 seconds minute is going to dictate how the rest of it goes. If you get off on the wrong foot and you feel like you did something wrong, you'll spend the rest of the talk trying to catch up, trying to fix, trying to repair. And then that will make you seem unconfident. It will make you seem nervous. So for me, it's more about nailing that at the beginning and being very confident in what you're saying. Yeah, I think that that's brilliant advice, right? And I think it's a great question to ask, why am I nervous? And is it because I maybe don't trust myself? I'm worried about like messing up, uh, looking good, getting it right. Or am, am I not confident in my idea and I need to like dial that in? Do I not feel prepared? Do I need to practice more? This is like coaching for me. We're having a mini coaching session here. <laughs> We're just going to do it live right now. Let's go. So honestly, my biggest challenge as a speaker is that I know I don't like to practice. It's like my my the blessing and the curse is that I'm really good at just winging it. And yet I know that if I practice, it would help me go from like pretty good to like freaking amazing. And so how would you coach someone like me who's like, eh, I'm just going to wing it. And I don't like to practice. I don't want to. Here's here's the hard part for me is I get so much energy from the audience and that moment that like just standing in front of a mirror or like practicing in my office, like it just doesn't do anything for me. And then I, even though intellectually I know that I should and I'm supposed to, I still don't do it. What do I do, Kathy? What do I do? Oh, I can help you. Here's another thing where it's not a one size fits all, right? Because if, for instance, there are some people, and these are usually your introverted people, they're very analytical, they think a lot, they need to be a lot more like actually more specifically prepared. But there's another way that you can prepare that doesn't require you sitting in front of your mirror going, okay, there's no, there's no energy for me here. And this is terrible. And, you know, I created a tool called the idea map. Cause I think that I am very anti-script. I don't know if you know that for me, there's a lot of people that be like, write things. I'm like, no, because I have a lot of improv in my background. Think about improvers. This is what you need to think about Marley. This is very specific for what you're saying. Think about improvers. They practice a lot of things to do what, to get on a stage and improv. They're practicing. So they're preparing in a way. And so the way you could prepare, for instance, it's not sitting there practicing your, your word for word. My practice for you would be, I would be more like, okay, um, Marley, I want you to really tell me what your idea, what your, how your idea is going to come across. Okay. What kind of exercises could you have the audience do? What kind of visuals are you going to do? What stories are going to, that's going to be way more preparation than any practice you'll do. And so if you have that nailed, I'm I trust that Marley Williams will get out there and crush it. But if Marley's just like, oh, I'm gonna talk about leadership, yep, not gonna do anything, and I'm gonna go out there. Mm, I don't trust that. I'm girl, come back, come back. Your practice is in the foundation. I trust that you're a great builder, but I, I need you to have a blueprint first. You can't just go out there and start not knowing. 
I appreciate that and this idea of uh, just enough structure without too much. Yeah. Right? That it's like, I know where I'm starting. I know where I'm going. And I know how I'm going to get there and what that journey is that I'm going to take people on. And I appreciate what you said of, and that to me is honestly, yeah, the power of coaching and having someone ask you those questions. Because sometimes we can't always see the forest through the trees. We can't always see our own medicine, our own magic, our own stories. We're like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. Or like, we we can't always see it until someone kind of like pulls it out of us and helps us connect those dots or see where that story could fit in or where that activity makes sense or things like that. And for me being like an external processor, like I really need that. The thing I hate, Anybody who's ever been coached by me knows this because I'm usually pretty threatening about it. I'll choke you out if you do this. And the thing is, I don't like it when people say thank you at the end of a talk. And it's not because I don't like people to be polite. It's because I feel like it's the lazy way to say, hey, my talk is over. I had no other way to tell you other than to say thank you. If you prepared ahead of time, you would have been like, oh, my closing line is going to be a power line and it's going to crush. Like, so that's the thing I hate. Now you want to hear the thing I love? Hell yeah. I love when the preparation is constant. And so the number one thing I tell people to do is to start a story file. Start grabbing the stories before you have to prepare for a talk. So right now, I've been doing it probably religiously for about seven years. I have about 1,800 stories in my story file. So anytime something comes up or a good line comes up, I'll put it in my story file, put it as one little notation. I do it on the free version of Evernote. I have one little, you know, page, I guess, in my notebook, if you will, and it has categories. That's the important part too, by the way. When I'm going to go do a talk, I go, oh, I have a category for humor. I have a category for quotes. I have a category for quotes from Kathy. I have a category for concepts, exercises, family, loss, sad. Like I have wisdom, wise, you know, wise words. When I want to do something, I just grab my phone and I, I go to my my story file. So that's the thing I love. So Marley, if you had a story file, what I would do is go, okay, you're going to go on and you're going to talk about leadership. Pull up your story file. Tell me what exercises you have in there. You know, what stories did you put in there? Maybe do a funny story. Maybe do a hard story. Like then you'll have something. You will not have to sit there and go, hmm, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? Right. So you, you're collecting those stories before you need them. Yeah. And I think what you said was was gold about how we open and how we close makes such a difference for the level of confidence I think you feel as a speaker and the level of impact you can have as a speaker. And I think what I'm hearing overall is, is to be intentional with the craft and the time that we get on a stage and really making the most of it. By having like a really clear, compelling, exceptional idea and having that evidence to back it up and really knowing like, what is the difference that I want to make for the audience? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing you said about being an exceptional speaker, what you're doing is you're preparing all the time. And that's why the story file comes into play. That's what will actually make you a thought leader. If you think about it, think about a thought leader. They're always saying things in a different way. I'll tell you something that happened to me yesterday, just to give you an example. My hairdresser is amazing. (laughs) She's not just a hairdresser. She's a thought leader. And every time I'm with her, I'm like, God, the hair is the bonus, but I feel like I'm paying her because she's got all these great concepts and ideas. And yesterday she said, we should practice the art 
of not completing our sentences. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, you should start your sentences about something and say, it is, and you shouldn't finish it. You shouldn't say, this is good. It is bad. It, that stops you. It, it becomes this discipline of not putting judgment on it or not thinking, and, and, you know, and I'm going to give you an example. This is a really good story that she said. And here's, a, here's like, here, she's doing a great speech just in a chair. She had a good concept and here's a good supporting story. Her sister was an addict and she said, you know, as much as everybody in the family was like, oh, poor her. Guess what? She ended up ODing and at her funeral, so many people came and said, she helped me to become clean. She saved my life. And even though she couldn't, she wasn't able to get over it herself. It's like, if I add my judgment to it I'm, and I'm saying, oh, it's, it is so sad. She's out there. I had no idea that she's helping hundreds of people. So don't complete your sentence. Practice the art of not completing your sentence. And I was like, look at you. I was like, you're a motivational speaker, like all the time. And here's where I became exceptional. I put it in my story file. And I always credit when I hear something from other people, I'm always going to credit the person I hear it from. Right. So yeah. I put that as my story and my concept in my story file. I can go on a stage and tell you the story I just said. Right. Yeah. That preparation isn't this thing that we do in a closet. It's something that we do every single day as storytellers, as speakers, as thought leaders of listening and paying attention to what we experience out in the world, what we hear other people say, we get more of what we look for. And so it's just kind of like turning up our antennas and looking for those moments, those golden nuggets of, of knowledge, of wisdom, and seeing life as the preparation, not the preparation being in isolation, that it's actually happening all the time. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to use you as an example, Marley. You are fabulous at engaging with your audience and beyond a stage. On social media, you are so good at engaging with people, connecting with people. Because you're constantly doing it, it's like every time you're doing it, it's like imagine that you're grabbing a gold coin, a gold coin, a gold coin, a gold coin. Then when you get on the stage, it's easy to hand out the gold coins because you've been collecting them, right? You are a person that lives this way. And it's one of the reasons when we first met, remember this funny story is like, how have we not met? We know so many of the same people. It's wild. And when we first met, I immediately connected with you. And we had that moment where we just went Facebook live and it was great. You live that all the time. So I would say you always are preparing. I would just, for you, I would be like, just be a little bit more intentional, grab specific stories and gather them. But that's why you are a great speaker. That's why you are also great at improving because you're, you're already grabbing all the coins. You're like Mario, like, doo -doo 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 -doo. you know, you're like Super Mario and <laughs> I love it. And yeah, collecting those and I think using them, using them on purpose. Exactly. So I would love for you to share any final thoughts that you have with our audience as they go out into the world. They want to be a better leader in their life, in their business. Any final thoughts or golden nuggets you would want to leave them with today? Yes, I have one. When I was like 16 years old and I joined my first gym in Southern California, I'll never forget this. On the back of the shirts, they had a quote, and I love this quote. The quote said, there's no such thing as staying the same. You're either striving to get better or you're allowing yourself to get worse. That 
is the sentiment that I would love to pass on to any leader, to any speaker, to any presenter, to any human, is that anything that we want to be exceptional at, we have to strive to be better. There's no such thing as staying the same. I love that. And I love that idea of of having a growth mindset. And and that's one of the things to me I, I love about leadership and I love about speaking and facilitating is like, how could I get even better? And there's no there. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where like, I'm not growing. I'm not trying to find ways to enhance my craft. And so what a beautiful message to leave people with. So if people want to learn more about you and your work in the world, where is the best place to find you in the world? So this is funny. I'm the only Kathy Armias in the world, especially if you spell it right. You know, I have C-A-T-H-E-Y. And if you do that, you'll find me. My website's Kathy Armias. Everything is Kathy Armias. Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, definitely check out her amazing work. If you are looking for a speaker coach, she's phenomenal. She has amazing resources. And if you're looking for a speaker for your event too, check her out. So thank you so much for sharing your heart, your knowledge, your wisdom with all of us today. So, so grateful to have you on the show and to have you in my life. Until next time, everybody, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you for joining us on another inspiring episode of the Marley Williams podcast. We hope you're leaving here with renewed energy and valuable insights to fuel your leadership, coaching, and speaking endeavors. I'd love to invite you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to help us reach more aspiring leaders and speakers like you. We have more exciting episodes and remarkable guests lined up, so make sure to tune in next time. Until then, keep leading with purpose, coaching with heart, and speaking with conviction. This is Marley Williams signing off. See you next week.